I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Frank Kilpatrick. We're going to be talking about his PSA, Should Have Got the Shot. The holiday season is here, and many extended families have decided to get together for the first time in two years. Frank Kilpatrick, one of the creators of the PSA campaign, Should Have Got the Shot, is hoping that the prospect of that togetherness will prompt the unvaccinated to reconsider their stance. Because data-driven PSAs weren't working to move the needle, Kilpatrick and his collaborators came up with a heartfelt, emotional, non-preachy, politically neutral approach. Their campaign features portrayals and testimonials from real people who have been seriously ill or lost a loved one from COVID-19, and it has been a huge success. There have been more than 2,900 television airings since October, resulting in potential cumulative exposure to 20 million viewers. Kilpatrick, a songwriter and a founder of uh, Healthcare Communications Group, is a L.A.-based entrepreneur who often collaborates with Grammy Award-winning producer Alex Wand. Welcome to the show, Frank. Nice to have you here. Well, thanks for having me on. Tell the story here. Well, I'm getting excited because you say that your PSAs are working. I have to ask you how you can tell how they, you know, in terms of uh, measuring that, because it seems to me that we're, you know, here we are back again, another surge, people who won't get vaccinated, uh, you know, they're hosts for this uh, new uh, variant of the virus, um, which will probably mutate and we'll get another variant of the virus. So... Uh, let's start with um, your PSA, why it works, as opposed to the other PSAs that we've seen a lot of with the experts telling us what we should and should not do. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that the, uh, by the way, an update I'm happy to report since, your, uh, since the data you, you put on the line there was that we had 20, 2,900 airings maybe a couple, three weeks ago. Now we're up to close to 5,000. Right. So when you ask the question, when you ask the question of how do we know it's working, well, it is a it's it's an indirect process, and there are still a lot of people who are not vaccinated. We're hoping to reach more and more of those. We've recently started with a radio campaign in addition to television, and so we uh, we like to think that we've made an impact there. It's a, there's a a big universe of people we need to talk to, 320 million at last count. But as I say, with uh, that number of airings and and if, if those were television commercials, as you say, they'd be, um, they have a value in the millions. But the way that uh, we started, maybe going back a half a step, was to take a look at what you said, uh, the high-level information uh, distribution really didn't work that well. Uh, it does with a certain segment of the audience, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Walensky and, and others who deliver a scientific message. But for a certain cohort, of viewers and listeners and members of the public, they're just, they, they don't engage with that scientific information. They think it's a, a hoax. They, of course, with today's um, uh, new process of people who can be um, infected, even if they've been vaccinated, even gotten a booster shot, uh, there's a lot of, of skepticism. So, uh, our Can you? I'm going to interrupt you because been, who is you're talking about that sure. cohort who it doesn't work. You know they they don't really tune into Dr. Fauci or some of the other experts in the field. 
Uh, so mm-hmm. describe them. What are the demographics? Who are those people who who don't do that and who need another way to get the, uh, to hear another way to get the message across? Well, as you said in the introduction, our approach is, is not political. Uh, at the same time, I would say that our demographic research shows that the majority of the, let's call it the, the non-believers in science, uh, they're kind of clustered uh, in certain states. Uh, a lot of them are Republican states, and it's become kind of an act of faith to distrust the science, and it's taken on a momentum of its own. So, uh, as I say, our approach is not to try to persuade people from a political perspective, but simply to offer the uh, understanding that uh, it's your neighbors, it's your friends, it's people you know who might well have been uh, uh, infected by this uh, by this infection, and a way to get beyond it is to get vaccinated. And so that is done through the process of uh, uh, introducing people's um, friends, neighbors, stories of people who have had experiences uh, uh, that have perhaps been hurtful to them and to bring those, to bring those stories to, to awareness uh, because we, we found that folks who have actually heard from someone who's had a, had a difficult experience, that's going to be a lot more, um, that's going to be a lot more powerful than uh, simply telling them or lecturing them, as it were, uh, on what they should do. If they see the impact that it's had and how some families have been hurt and scared and, and uh, people have actually, uh, in one case in our testimonials, we uh, tell a story uh, from the standpoint of a woman who's uh, uh, thought she was going to lose her mother, and uh, she herself had uh, COVID infection and was in the hospital, and her daughters came thinking that she was not going to make it. And so the whole of uh, uh, the process is, is around telling stories in a way that, that's very human. And so that uh, this, it's like a, a friend telling you over the back fence uh, what you should what you should know and what you should do. Um, and that kind of community communication has proven to be more effective in getting people to at least explore the possibility of vaccination. I wonder why people, uh, you, you just mentioned they don't, many people don't believe in science, but yet when they get to the hospital, unvaccinated people and are very sick and sometimes on the verge of death, they do believe in science. They do believe in going to the hospital and taking the drugs and the medication and the oxygen and all of those kinds of things which are based on science. Um, Very reluctantly, I might add. (laughs) Really? Well, you're right. They do do embrace science at that point when it's life or death. But uh, there have been some high-profile media figures and and other... um, folks who didn't believe in the vaccines and were very vocal about it and that they did, uh, they did need treatment. And so they uh, reluctantly came to that conclusion. Sometimes, though, it's interesting, sometimes those who are on the, that side of the fence continue to deny uh, the impact of um, uh, the medical, the traditional medical approach. It's interesting. You might have, of course, your listeners may have heard uh, recently when, Donald Trump came and said, I've been vaccinated and I've gotten a booster. 
he got booed. And so it, it just goes to show that there is kind of a, a process that's taken on its own life, as I say, in exploring uh, uh, whether, whether one should even consider getting the, um, getting the vaccination. As I say, our approach is not political. And in fact, uh, our, our goal is to encourage people to explore getting vaccination. Not, we're not pushing for it for everyone because there's some people who are medically compromised for whom it's not a good, not a good bet. And so our uh, approach is simply to encourage people to talk to uh, trusted experts, physicians and, and others who can guide them to making the right decision for them. So give us an example, specific examples of some of your PSAs. Um, I think you already just gave us one, but... Uh, right. Well, yeah. we, we have two or three or four, depending on how you count. We have uh, a couple that are in Spanish, and those have aired um, uh, actually a, a large number of airings, particularly in um, uh, the West, in California, where I'm from. Um, and they've uh, been particularly... Uh, successful because the uh, uh, amongst the the groups that have had less vaccination, uh, Hispanics are one of the, the larger uh, groups that that has not uh, not not gotten the vaccine, and that has to do not so much exclusively with distrust of the vaccine. Sometimes it's simply logistical. They can't take time off from work. They haven't known enough about it. They may have gotten misinformation. They may have been concerned about some of the legalities of it. And so uh, that's one of them that we, we found to be successful. And that's, uh, as I say, that's a translation of essentially our core message of people who, as you were just suggesting, have gone through uh, perhaps a, <laughs> a period of being very skeptical, but then have come around to a different point of view. And so we, we try to humanize the process, and as I suggesting, not to suggest that folks who have uh, not chosen to get the vaccine yet are wrong, but simply that they haven't had enough information. So that's one of them. Uh, another that we've, we have uh, online now, and actually online, I, I say that because we have our uh, commercials available at ribbonsforresearch.org, which is our website, and uh, people can sample them there or they can in fact, what we hope they'll do is to call our local TV and radio stations and ask them to, to carry the public service announcements. Um, but the, um, that the, that's one of the uh, approaches we've taken, as I say, translating for a particular population segment. We also have some that are uh, a compilation of various folks, like the ones you mentioned, who had taken the maybe a personal position of distrusting the vaccine and later uh, they were forced right into looking at it square in the eye because they had uh, lost friends or family members or they themselves had uh, experienced infections and had been uh, in the hospital. So we put together oh, maybe a dozen of those uh, clips from various news sources and told that story from the standpoint that uh, makes it pretty compelling because you see more and more of these Every day in the newspaper, you could, as you were suggesting a moment ago, you can find the examples of people, both well-known and less well-known, who were distrustful of the vaccine but um, became believers when they were confronted with having to go to the hospital. 
Uh, Frank, so what we're, you're doing, it sounds like, you're going to take these PSAs and you, there's certain PSAs work for certain groups of people, certain groups of dem- demographics, and you really need to pair them up. What works for one doesn't necessarily work for another. I mean, we're a big country. We have lots of uh, ethnicities and and uh, races and religions and and uh, north north and south and all of those things. So, is is that kind of what you're doing with your PSAs, pairing them up with the right? right we group? do try to we do try to match them up with uh, where we think they'll be most successful. As I say, the Hispanic. Uh, announcements that we have on Spanish television in Los Angeles. We have a a big campaign there. Um, And uh, we actually, uh, we haven't done this yet, but we'd like to at a next stage if we have the opportunity to go into um, uh, some of these areas that we were talking about before where there's been such low uh, participation of vaccination and interview some of these folks locally, meaning that if we went to... uh, uh, downtown uh, Birmingham, which is actually a, a rel- relatively low uh, vaccination area, and we were to interview some people um, with our cameras and talk to them, we would have a local angle on it. We don't have as much of that as we'd like so far because we're simply a nonprofit and we don't have backing from pharmaceutical companies or government agencies, etc. We're just doing this as a as a public service. So we haven't had the resources to go in to do that, but we think as a next stage that that might be something we would have the opportunity to do, to go in and, as you suggest, personalize it even more by going to uh, particular communities or areas where there's been uh, high reluctance to even consider the message. I think that's, going back to something you were saying earlier, that's, that's really one of the challenges. It's not that people are not uh, interested uh, having considered the, the merits or the, the pluses and the minuses of vaccination, but some people just take it on almost as a religion that they're not going to be vaccinated. And so it's, it's that group that is speaking of special populations that we need to connect with. That's really one of them. Do any of your PSAs address um, the issue of responsibility because a lot of the, I know a lot of the arguments and you kind of touched on a couple of the arguments why people won't get vaccinated um, is you know, personal freedom uh, I have the right to choose government can't tell the government can't tell me what to do although that's what governments do that's what they're there for that's all they do is tell us this, isn't it I mean otherwise you don't need a government but uh, it's mm-hmm. just we just vote on, I guess, what they are going to, uh, what they should and should be telling us. But anyway, um, that you get into the personal responsibility of each one of us to each other as a group, as a community, as families. Uh, Again, that's, uh, we, don't have, we don't have a campaign or an element of our current campaign that touches specifically on responsibility to the community. We, we considered it and we might Again, if we have the resources to expand the campaign, we might go into some communities where we can get a community leader, a pastor, uh, uh, someone that's well-respected and well-known, and have them talk about this issue of, again, personal responsibility. It's by, by way of an analogy. Think back to some of your listeners will know 
of this polio vaccine years and years ago when people were lined up uh, at five in the morning, kids in particular, all of whom were going to get the, uh, the shots and uh, thereby eradicate polio. And uh, it was considered a patriotic uh, requirement that you do so. And I guess there, there were maybe the same kinds of issues, but they certainly, uh, I don't know them in my research to have been um, very significant. So it really does uh, become a question, I, I think you raise an interesting theme, it becomes a question of how much of a responsibility do we have to make our community, uh, our communities plural, uh, more safe for all of us. And part of that is to kind of a shared sacrifice thing. And uh, if you think about it, you draw the analogy between that's what government's about. Well, that's actually what a lot of things that we do in our society are about. Uh, Our military service is uh, the commitment of uh, young men and women to uh, keep our country free and to, uh, to protect our way of life and to, uh, to do that requires, as I say, some sacrifice. And so there's a, a question really of, of balancing your own, um, what might be perceived as freedoms versus uh, what can be done that is uh, beneficial for the whole, the whole of the culture. And in some instances, we don't have a choice. And that's we live in a country, and we, as we say, government tells us uh, the rules and regulations, um, the laws which we have to abide by. And I'm, as uh, you're talking, I'm thinking about we do have mandatory education in this country. You have to go to school till you're 16 years old. Um, and that's, that's, the, that, that's the law. That's the law. You don't have the choice to say, well, I don't think I'm going to go to school mm-hmm. or uh, you, you can't do that. You can do that in other countries. People don't go to school, don't mm-hmm. get educated. And you can see the, the results of that. But I mean, that's a that's a big one. It's six, but mm-hmm. you know, six years and, old. Is, yeah. And that's uh, again, that's a great analogy to, to think about when you're uh, considering what uh, what kind of service should we do for each other? Um, part of attending education is to advance your own individual fortune, but also there's the um, advantage that it raises the common understanding and uh, success of the, the uh, community and all of its members because they're better educated and better understand all of the moving parts of uh, our complex uh, democracy. So, um, I think that those are very important points. As I suggest, we haven't, our approach so far hasn't focused on those because we haven't, well, I'll just say one thing being resources, but the other being that we're trying to keep this at the level of, let's call it higher, higher discussion where we don't get into a debate with people. As I suggest, we're trying to bring light to an issue uh, so that people will understand more about it, consider it. Um, consider their, their opportunity to uh, participate in a way that's meaningful, but without uh, turning this into yet another uh, political debate over, uh, over this highly polarized topic. People's stories are always, I think, the most effective, which is what you're doing, telling, telling your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's uh, rather than as you, as I said in the beginning, I guess when I was reading the intro, it's like, you know, preaching and telling people what they should or should not do is not necessarily effective. And so you want people to tell their well, stories. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. The reason that this approach works is that it, it's, it moves beyond kind of the rational, let's call it the debate level of our thinking into a discussion of uh, how do we how do we do what's emotionally connected. In other words, in our story of um, our folks, a husband and wife, who uh, tell about the challenges of COVID, and and in fact, it's interesting they were not COVID deniers; they were simply uh, uh, people who didn't have the uh, hadn't made the, the time to get vaccinated, didn't know much about it. Uh, uh, it was kind of early in the process. Now, of course, vaccination is widely available. But when they were first exploring, when they were first heard about, they, they just didn't think it was for them. But all of which is to say that uh, when we can connect and those people, we just present them telling their own stories. We, don't, we didn't script it, but they just come forth and tell their stories. And that connects on an emotional level because you could imagine if you're out there watching it in television or on radio, um, you can imagine that the people that they're telling their story to, they can imagine what it would be like to have a mother uh, who is in the hospital who they who you think isn't going to make it, where the sisters come and um, gather around to say goodbye to the mother. Or to have a father who, in fact, in this story, this testimonial, did not make it. He uh, he was his lungs were very severely damaged by COVID, and he never came home. So, when you hear a story like that, if you have a heart, and all of us do, uh, it, it, it connects with you, connects with us in a way that's uh, just very human. And so, perhaps that's the the. the What's lived, what's enabled these to be successful is the fact that they're uh, coming at the topic from the standpoint of uh, something that's uh, just inherent in all of us. And I think also, uh, since we only have a couple minutes left, I think one of the things that it also does is a jumping off point for a lot of people then to say, maybe I do need to get more information about this. Because some people, as you say, are, are remain ignorant about you know, about the statistics or about the science and that in hearing these stories, they, it, it may prompt them to get more information and then to get vaccinated. Anyway, we only, because we only have a couple minutes left, would you, where can we see all of these PSAs? I think you mentioned it earlier in the show because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we want to have access to them. Of course. So at ribbonsforresearch.org, you can see that the, the, PSA, as I mentioned, you can also see a PSA aimed at a younger uh, population, aimed at the folks who are maybe, what, uh, 21 to 41, younger folks who are actually not not often um, vaccinated, and you can see the music video we did for those folks as well. Okay, great. But it's at ribbonsforresearch.org. Ribbonsforresearch.org. And I've been talking to the producer, Frank Kilpatrick. Should have got the shot. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show today. Good information. Thank you, um, Catherine, for helping yeah. share the message. Yep. 
I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm.